Who's supposed to be? Oh. Uh, it's Gone Paul Show. This is where we fuck up getting intro with only 13 seconds in. And expect not greatness because this is what you're going to get. news, which is to be expected this after the holidays. We'll find something to bitch about. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Well, let's start with the little thing, and then we'll insert the big thing. It gets that. bigger. It gets bigger. It gets bigger, like a oh Muppet God, pit. we have turned into the complete just RMAs. Yes. MRAs. Is that what they're called? Whatever. Uh, MREs? I'm kind of hungry. I'm ready to eat. Uh, <laughs> All right, anyways. Let's just go ahead and start with over. the two little bit of game news we had. I opened this window up twice because I'm an idiot. Um, EA Sports 2, UFC 2. I don't know why I say EA Sports 2. UFC 2 coverage, roundup, roster news, hands-on notes, and more. Um, Scott, did you play UFC 1? Yeah, I played. Uh, I played the demo a whole bunch, and then um, I went to a training where we had to stay overnight for like four days. And some guy brought his Xbox, and we played. Played, I don't know, probably eight or nine hours that week. So I mean, um, it was pretty good. Well, this is from MMA News. This was written by David Bixenspan, and according to. Mike Bond's hands-on article of MMA Junkie. Let's just go through his bullet notes here. The roster tops 250 fighters, more than doubling even the post-updates roster at the first game. There are at least 41 fighters in the lightweight division alone. Aside from recent signings, blah, 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 they will have CM Punk in this game. Grappling has been completely overhauled and can be only described as a step forward. The old stick rotations to transition to transition, which were rough on the analog sticks and their rubber toppers. Users are presented the option to hold the joystick in a certain direction to load a bar to achieve a desired move. Grappling is no longer turn-based, as both fighters can move independently and try to advance positions simultaneously. And success is determined by speed and timing, as well as the strength of statistics for a given athlete. Striking is more realistic and less arcade style in terms of speed and pacing. 
less leg TKOs during an EA game for the first time. As previously hyped by EA Sports, knockouts are now animated using a realistic physics engine, and no two knockouts should ever be the same, so the game feels less can't. Uh, Mode-wise, event mode from THQ UFC games is back, and Ultimate Team from EA Sports other games will be adapted for the UFC. Career mode is being overhauled in various ways, including not having repeat exercises you've already aced. In the effort to up the presentation quality, Bruce Buffer's intros are now taken from actual event audio, similar to how real UFC event commentary was mixed in with studio recordings for the first time. All right, well, there's more notes below, but let's break it up and talk about these notes first. Um, 250 fighters? Holy shit. 41 fighters in a lightweight division alone. That's crazy. So... I wonder if how many like I wonder how many legacy fighters there's going to be. I mean, you could be able to play like Kid Shamrock, Tito Ortiz, Guy Metzger, Chuck Liddell, guys like that. Um, it states down here the the roster includes some big surprises that I can't talk about yet, but I think everyone will be excited about them for what is worth. Bond wrote on his Twitter that Brock Lesnar, who was an added legend in the original, has been removed, so he is not one of them. Huh. So, so Brock's not in the game. Legend, UFC legend, Brock Lesnar. I mean, what did he fight, like four or five times? I don't know about legend. Yeah, he beat some good fighters, but, I mean, he beat away past his prime Randy Couture, who... Well, when he talks about money draws, he was a legend. All right, I'll go with that, you know. Okay, I'll go with that. I can live with that, but... I mean, he could have been, I think, but, you know, it is what it is. I like watching him fight. He got his freaking ass kicked that last fight, though. Jeez Louise. Anyways, um, that one thing here is the analog stick rotation grappling system. I wasn't a huge fan of that, but it was definitely a step up from most of the other MMA-style games where you, like on the Dreamcast and PS2 and all that, you would hit like your left two face buttons or your right two face buttons, and they would have a canned submission attempt. So at least you had transitions to different positions. Um that you could move through a little more naturally rather than relying on having to catch a punch or something like that. So, you know, and I was, I was always hoping maybe they could evolve beyond that. And that's what it sounds like they've done. I don't know what the hold the joystick in a certain direction to load a bar to achieve a desired move. So are you going to have like eight different submissions from each position? Is that what that's saying? And you got to keep it in that zone in order for, I wonder how the defense would work. I mean, I don't know. I just have to see it in action. Um, it's interesting. Now, this is the part I like reading here is striking is more realistic. And for those eager to use foot movement and a mixed offense, perfect timing. That's awesome because, yeah, I mean, you play these games and someone can just mash buttons and win. Not always. I mean, there's ways of getting it around it, especially if you put some practice and some time in. But that that's an improvement. I remember the old um, K1 World Grand Prix for like PlayStation 2. Uh, yeah, it was kind of canned combos and it wasn't as um, dynamic of a striking engine as what you have in most of the MMA games. But someone that was just mashing buttons, you could break them so fast 
just be, with timing and, and getting the right range and landing the right shot. So I would like to see that style in the mixed martial arts game. Ultimate team. Is that that card trading bullshit? That I don't know because my only experience with UFC was versus mode locally. But isn't ultimate team from EA is not the card trading bullshit. You got to pay money for packs. Mm. Oh, I think I did play the UFC card game back in the day. I'm not sure. Isn't that microtransactions? You got to pay money for cards and you may or may not get a good pack of cards. That is uh, probably correct. But I, I don't Isn't know. that that soccer shit that everybody gets ripped off on? Includes 30. UFC 2 Deluxe Edition includes up to 30 UFC Ultimate Team Premium Packs, which values at $60. Yeah. Okay. Delivered over 15 weeks. So two packs a week for 15 weeks. $2 a pack. Micro transactions for your next UFC game, people. It's not it's not even like physical, like you could sit down and play it with somebody. You know, like Pokemon or Magic or something like that, where you actually have something physical on hand. So I don't know. Mm. AI moves, sets, and fighting styles are much more distinct, especially in terms of distinguished fighters who prefer grappling versus striking. Visual damage is improved. It's more detailed and lasts longer. Plus, blood stays on the mat, including throughout the card in event mode. That's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. But I mean, are we still seriously having to? Shouldn't this have been in video games like twenty years ago or fifteen years ago? Uh, yeah, it should yeah. have should, should have been in our video games a long time ago, especially in wrestling games. Yeah. Cage oh, it's EA. Uh, Cage Walking, which was previously only in THQ's UFC Undisputed 3, is in this game. I didn't play Undisputed 3. I played Undisputed, and I'm pretty sure I played 2. But And this is for, I mean, there's other ones, but this is the last bit here. Finally, as with the original, the game runs at 1080p, 30 frames per second with motion blur. This was a controversial choice given how much gamers favor 60 frames per second. But creative director Brian Hayes told Gaming Bolt that, quote, we found that going 60 frames per second doesn't have a huge beneficial impact. And people in testing have told us that the game actually looks better at 30 frames per second with motion blur. The faster frame rate also has a benefit to controls, though and some gamers felt that the first game tend to lag a bit. So that's a complaint that won't go away until the game comes out. Ah, uh, fuck motion blur. I hate that shit. I always turn it off. It depends. But most of the time, it's overdone. Um, motion blur. Yeah, whatever. But that's it for UFC. So if you hate UFC... We're done talking about it. If you like UFC, fuck you. We're done talking about it. <laughs> uh, on to the first delay of 2016. Uncharted 4, Thief's End release date has been delayed once again to April 26, 2016. We are not surprised. 
Well, you know, delays happen. Yeah. Let's hope it's for the betterment of the game and not for more DLC development. Uh, giving a March 2016 release date earlier this year, Naughty Dog announced that uh, it will be delayed to 2016 for, quote, uh, the bad news is that we need a bit more time to finish the game so that it meets our standards and vision. They add, quote, this is our largest Uncharted game to date, and the team has been working incredibly hard to meet the challenge of closing out the game's development in a timely manner. However, as we approach our final deadlines and started wrapping up the game's levels, we blah, 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 blah. They actually said that in quotes. We realized that several key sequences needed extra resources to bring them to the finish line. In other words, it looked like shit. After yeah. carefully considering all of our options, we decided to extend our schedule, making sure that we get a few more polished passes before submitting our Golden Master, the final disc for our manufacturing. So Yeah, they're running into some issues. That thing with the Q&A, and they actually must be utilizing their Q&A. That's what I read between the lines. So right wrong, that's how I see it. Unlike some people who we're not going to name Ubisoft, they yeah. actually give a fuck about their games, and they're like, you know what? We're just going to delay this shit until it's ready to go out. Yep. We don't want to put out a... LJN. Yeah. We don't want... Jenko. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to put out a five gig patch day one. We're just going to delay this fucker till it's done. They could be like Jalico and LJN and just not finish development of half that shit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, on to TV news. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Scott's kind of bug hunt because he hasn't been doing these lately. It's not really a bug hunt per se, as it's a poor decision on the developer's part. So we're playing, we got the Force Awakens um, expansion for. Infinity three points. spoilers, Scott. Fuck. Okay, no spoilers. Um, well, I guess there's a game spoiler, but it's not anything to do with plot. Um, you buy Infinity 3.0 starter pack, and your first section is a tutorial section that teaches you the basic platforming and combat. Okay, and then you play through the entire game. And if you bought the starter pack, it probably came with it came with the uh, Rise of the Empire expansion no follow the empire whatever it is with luke skywalker and death star so anyways you play through all that so then you go and buy the force awakens and it makes you play through a freaking tutorial in order to teach you the platforming and the combat but there's not anything new it's the same exact shit and i was playing it and i'm like is this really happening right now it was really annoying because there's no way to skip through it and I'm pretty sure in the old tutorials, you couldn't have a second player join you until you finish the tutorial. And I didn't test that today. I will test that and update us later. But um, that was really aggravating. I was just like, seriously? This is it's just stupid. So, eh, Infinity. I like the game, but man, I mean, do we really got to play a tutorial on an expansion that adds characters and levels only? It's just, it's... Tutorials are have run amok in video games in the last ten years, fifteen years. Did you think so, the, the mindset of the developer is that Infinity is more for children than adults? Right, but you have to have the starter kit to utilize Force Awakens, and Force Awakens didn't come out until <clears throat> after Christmas or 
the day or two before it was after the launch of the movie. I know that much, which but, opened on the 17th. But these are children's and they probably haven't played this game since Infinity first came out. So they needed a refresher course on. I don't even remember how to play this game. Boom. So they forgot in the course of eight weeks. They're stupid. <laughs> Kids are stupid. This is America. Okay. Maybe they thought that between the first week when most kids will play it and put it down and the day they pick up Force Awakens. Maybe I could see it from that angle. They're they're well, they're very excited. I I guess I'm just an adult bitching about a child's toy. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, hey, it's, it was, it was remember remember in, in big Tom Hanks was complaining. You take the toy and you put it underwater when you're playing with it in the bathtub and the paint comes off. What the fuck? <laughs> Remember that scene? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Okay, anyways, I guess maybe they're all child's toys. All games are child's toys. Yeah, all Video of them games. Are. And you know, and people they get all up in the air and well this this game's beneath me because it has this certain aesthetic and yada yada yada. And it's like, man, I don't care if you're playing Grand Theft Auto, if you're playing freaking Pokemon. You're playing with a toy. So, yeah. Whatever wallpaper it has on it is merely that wallpaper. Yeah. We are doing the exact same thing that we were doing when we were 10 years old. Yeah. And I love it. So, yeah. I'm not going to stop now. Nope. No, we were playing with our dicks when we were 10. We're still doing it now. So, (laughs) (laughs) So, why stop now? Why stop now? So, speaking of dicks, the biggest one in the uh, Marvel Universe, the Punisher, we get our first look at him. Well, I guess Wolverine also has a uh, considerable large dick. And I gotta say, he's 5'3. I do not like the Punisher. The character or the picture? The, the, The. the TV version of the Punisher. He, okay. I uh, I like Marvel. I, I like Marvel's version of him, but the comic book version, and I like the movie version of him, not the last one. I like the Thomas Jane. Thomas version. Jane. Yeah. I'm. Uh, is that the guy from Walking Dead? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm interested. He doesn't look like Frank Castle to me. No. Really, Thomas Jane in my eyes. I don't know. Yeah, he was a little closer to the the guy in the books. I mean, I know Thomas Jane looks like um, Christopher Lambert, but John Bernthal as Frank Castle, the Punisher. Yeah, that guy. That dude was intense in Walking Dead. He was. I mean, really, to me, he was a part se- a season two, especially. He he made that season. I don't know. I just don't. He, he took the arc that Anakin should have taken. <laughs> and he's so caught up in trying to protect those that he loves that he makes poor decisions. But it was fairly believable real, and mostly realistic, I guess. And then there had been a zombie apocalypse. That, I like John Bernthal. So. And we also get our first look at Electra. Keaton played Batman. Well, we, we've seen a quick look at Electra in the trailer for it, but we get a good picture of her not in her electric gear uh, yeah i'm not familiar with her no young 
Yeah. I've never seen her before. Does the article give her name besides just the caption that says Young? I'm reading down through it. I'm not catching it. I'm not sure who's playing her. It Neither is the article. <laughs> <laughs> it just says EW also released the first photo of Young as Electra. Um... Oh, she's not listed in the article. Damn you, Latino Review. She has one name, Young. Oh, is that it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's what it was. It may be hell. Who knows? So. Uh, she's not given credit at the end either. It just says Marvel's Daredevil stars Charlie Cox, Deborah Ann Wolf, Eldon Henson, John Bernthal, and Rosario Dawson. So. We've already got him in there. I don't know. I'm excited. If the writers are good, uh, which I mean, I like, I like Daredevil. I've only watched like four episodes though. Um, if they, Elodie Young. Okay. If, if they write it, if they write him correctly, uh, John Bernthal will pull through. So I'm excited. For the, the lady playing um, uh, Electra, that I, I'm just not familiar with her. Does she have an IMDb? Oh, I don't care anymore. Anyways, on to the more interesting picture. How about Dr. Sh? We, on, we done a TV already? Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. See, Elodie right. Young was in Gods of Egypt. G.I. Joe Retaliation. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And oh, yeah. Who's in G.I. Joe? I'm super excited now. Anybody yeah. attached to that cinematic masterpiece? Oh, so. well, uh, The Rock was in that, fucker. Yeah, just saying. Okay, she was the chick who fought um, Snake Eyes. Uh, yeah, I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, the one who had the uh, dress in red. You know, you know, Wolverine's brain, like, protects him from memories. <laughs> <laughs> I think my brain sort of did that. So, yeah, whatever. I mean, that's that's nothing to do with her. It's just that movie was shit. So it was shit, but it had rock in it. It had the rock in it. That's the only thing I can vaguely remember is the rock, really. And what's his face getting Channing Tatum getting blown up, so or shot up, whatever happened to him. I don't know. Exactly I, I, I do not like Daredevil's mask. The nose guard is fucking stupid. Yeah, it looks. I mean, I can live with it, but yeah, it looks a little off. I mean, especially look at that the, the second picture. Yeah. Did you look at the um, the second link of pictures for Daredevil? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, no. hey, whatever. It's just an aesthetic. It's, uh, yeah, Daredevil. Weird. I mean, Daredevil looks weird out in the daytime too. Yeah, I think he's something he'd stay in the shadows. 
Anyways. But showrunner Doug Petrie has this to say about what viewers should expect from the Punisher. Viewers watching the show will be rooting for this guy with the gun, but we're going to force viewers, uh, force people, the way we force Matt to second-guess themselves. Taking lethal justice into your own hands in America in 2015 is tricky shit. We have to shield away from the rich, complicated reality of now. If you got a gun and you're not the police, you're going to incite strong feelings. <clears throat> feelings. We're stirring the pot. We're stirring the pot, and we're aware of the headlines where we live, and we're trying to get people to think. Co-showrunner Mark Ramirez adds, he has a different moral code. Matt is a devout Catholic, and you rarely see a character who's a devote anything on TV. Frank has a Himarabe code. It's like letting a great white shark into the water. It's an interesting quote. It's also interesting that, you know, they immediately paint the picture of the police should be the only ones armed and government. And that's what the police ultimately represent um, as an institution, not the individual officers themselves, uh, because the police, a lot of them do a great job, but your bad eggs are in a position of power and in that position of power, they, they hold people's freedom and lives in the balance. So I hate that we try to paint the world as, you know, the only people that are trustworthy with a gun is the government. And that's just absolutely not true. Nobody is truly trustworthy with a weapon. That's why I think everybody should be armed, but that's politics. Fuck that. I don't want to get into that shit. Did you ever finish watching Daredevil? No, I'm only four episodes in. Oh, you fucker. So, yeah, I need to finish. I've been having to catch up on season three of Arrow with the wife. Ah, uh, fuck Arrow bullshit. You need to watch good shit. <laughs> I'll say this about Arrow, and I do like the show. Um, we uh, got to the part where um, the the current true Superman, Brandon Ruth, Ralph, Ralph, how you pronounce his last name, um, puts on the Iron Man suit and starts <laughs> flying around and gets his ass kicked right off the bat. But anyways, I think it looks really good. And I, I mean, it's like Brandon, it was, it was really funny. Um, first off, you get the straight Iron Man ripoff, but how was it they described Palmer's character? Ah, I lost the point because I forget what the quote that I was getting ready to use was. But anyways, he's one of those guys you like so much you hate him. Hmm. He's nice. He's he's rich. He's intelligent. He's handsome. He's there's nothing wrong with him except he's perfect. Hmm. <laughs> so fuck you. It's like Arrow just shoot this bastard. No, he uh, he's he's got a pretty good character on the show, I think. But you know they had his whole come to Jesus moment in the last episode we watched. So I'm interested to see what happens next. But Daredevil, I mean, I was I think the last episode I watched. Kingpin crushed some dude's face with a uh, door, a car door. Yeah. yeah. So that was four or five episodes in. And uh, it was those Russian brothers. So that show is really, really good. I'm just, it's games, books, work, other TV shows. I just bounce back and forth. I can't commit mm-hmm. to one thing. It's like I watched two episodes of Gotham and I haven't went back to it. Yeah, fuck Gotham. Uh agents of shield i've seen three or four episodes of it and i'm really not interested in going back to it unless it gets way better um yeah season three got really good 
I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was just it was just too slow, too. I don't know. It but yeah, you watch Walking Dead, which is this monotony. So, oh, but oh, it's, well, it's steeped well. in realism. Well, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> the abilities of the people, for the most part, other than their ability to do headshots in vehicles driving through cow pastures at 30 miles an hour, other than those supernatural abilities, they're fairly realistic as far as, you know, how they have to deal with physical threats. And that's what I like about that show. The only thing that's not intended to be um, realistic is the zombies themselves. And that's the twist I like. I watch a show set in the Marvel Universe. I need to see something happening besides, hey, I'm going to make a witty one-liner every time I karate kick somebody in the face with my shitty-looking kung fu. <laughs> so that's that's what turned me off to that. So yeah, yeah, There's yeah. nothing realistic about Walking Dead except zombies. how they deal with physical threats. <laughs> yeah, the zombies, if you look at them as the iPod generation. Yeah, you go look out my window, look at all the, the heroin addicts and and Huntington, you yeah, <laughs> that's zombies. Yeah, they yeah. are, man. Um, yeah. My brother was, yeah. you know, he was in prison for heroin and stuff. And I mean, they're just they're mind not not mindless, but they have this one track mind about how this is the most important thing in my life. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get it, hell or high water. And it's just they shamble around, <laughs> and it's just a straightforward. Th- there's nothing going to stop them. They're just going to go after their goal, just like a zombie. And they will do it until they die, until they can no longer function. What they need is a doctor. And the best doctor there is is Dr. Strange. That's right. And Benedict Cumberbatch looks damn good as Dr. Strange. Yes, he does. And the guy's got some acting chops, so that's awesome. Uh, e! Entertainment Weekly got the, I guess... Marvel forgave them for that shitty cover they did for. <laughs> oh God, that was so fucking horrible. That, that, that they did for um, the Wakanda cover, and uh, was it this week's or last week's they did for Doctor Strange? But um, they got some Benedict Cumberbatch pictures here. And uh, they're up now, and they have some concept art for the movie of Doctor Strange, along with the first publicity stills. And there he is. He's got the eye. He's got the cape. He's got a full costume. And thank God they went this route. It's not the 90s where they're wearing all black leather and we can't wear a costume. Uh, we can't wear a costume, and there's everything has to be scientifically explained in some sort of technology. That's that was '90s comic book movies. Mm. Yeah, he looks he looks good. He looks right. Yeah, because people today would not accept that he he's not wearing a full costume. Never mind three of the biggest movies in the previous 10 years before that or 13 years were had the force in them. Yeah. It's, it's nice that we now live in an age where people would not accept. He's not wearing a fucking cape, a costume. Yeah. It's like, this is bullshit. Why ain't he wearing a costume? <laughs> <laughs> My yeah. dad's superhero special wear costumes. 
<laughs> Where's the cape, motherfucker? I didn't really, so it's kind of a conundrum. Anyways, it's a contradiction, mm. not a conundrum. So, but, yeah, I mean, Dark Strange looks freaking tight, man. I, I'm mm. just, he looks right. And even the hair. So it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, I just can't wait. And then the best part is the older he gets, the more he will age into the character. Because right now he does look a little young for a character, but the older he gets, the better he'll be for a character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did he sign like a multi-picture deal or? I imagine all of them do. Okay. And is this Marvel Studios? Yeah. Hallelujah. Not that I like everything they do, but it's all watchable so far. Yeah, it's all Marvel. Not Fox. Did you watch Ant-Man yet? Nope. You fucker. No, no. I need to fix that. But going from Marvel Studios to Fox... Deadpool trailer. Brand new one came out on December 25th, and what a Christmas present it was. Wait, 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 wait. Fox is doing Deadpool? Yeah. Oh. That's why you have yeah. X-Men. That's based, why you have X-Men shit in there. Based on trailers alone? Oh, yeah, I guess Colossus was in the trailer. Yeah. I like the X-Men movies. I didn't like three, but I've liked all the other ones, so... Given that, they've done X-Men pretty well for the most part. I know some good moments in Last Stand. The new new X-Men. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) But, hey, the best X-Men movie I thought was still um, First Class. Yeah, it was really good. No, the one without Brian Singer. But uh, new Deadpool trailer looks fucking awesome. The... The fact that they're not shying away from what Deadpool is at all to try to get like a PG or PG-13 rating <laughs> is what's going to make this movie work. You have to laugh and feel uncomfortable if you're going to have a Deadpool movie. That's it. That's all there is to it. You have to. And the, I mean, he literally kicked the guy's head clear off his shoulders. I <laughs> I, was, I was watching that and I like just started laughing. I spit all over my freaking cell phone screen. I was like, Yes! He kicked the guy's head off of his shoulders. You get my money right there just for that. So, I mean, you know, I was a little like, uh, look at this love story bullshit. This movie's got a long runtime, right? It's probably about two hours, if that. Hour and a half. Mm. I don't know what the runtime is. I'm thinking it's longer than that. I think it's like two and a half. I don't think it's going to be that long. Oh man, I'll tell you. Seems like uh, I saw it in the news the other day. You know, it comes out February twelfth, something like that. It's it'd be a good movie to take your girlfriend to. Oh yeah, especially if you're maybe she's not a girlfriend because that's not her preferred noun. And if she's some sort of uh, no, there's nothing wrong with it. But your like, boyfriend, uh, power hungry feminist Nazi. Uh, you should definitely take her to it so you could absolve yourself from that relationship. <laughs> you should actually laugh at his jokes so you can so you can be free. <laughs> so guys, if you're trying two hour no, that was aspect ratio. <laughs> it seems to me I saw two hours and thirty six minutes somewhere. But I, I know that was Batman versus Superman. Ah, uh, maybe it was. Because I'm thinking, damn. So good. Well, anyways. If if I was correct, I would be concerned that it was that long with the relationship stuff in the 
trailers. Not that him having cancer. Well, that's what the movie was about. Trauma. Right. Yeah. I know that. You're fucking your girlfriend or whatever it was. And you go kill them motherfuckers. But, you know. But that was based on the actual origin of his story. He had cancer and he, he right. did it because of her. Right. So they even got that part right. Yeah, they got it right. I just hope they don't spend freaking 90 minutes boohooing and 15 minutes as Deadpool. <laughs> no, 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 I think they got it right. Don't give us a Darth Vader. I'm just saying, don't Darth Vader our asses like it's Revenge of the Sith. Uh, yeah. Poor Lucas. Yeah. I'm going to tell you how bad. I'm going to tell you how bad Anakin is. I'm not going to show you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Batman versus Superman. Spoilers. So, if you don't want to have any spoilers, too late. Yes, this is this is the kind of movie when you're talking about spoilers, I'm not gonna be super spoiled. <laughs> I mean, I could read the script and not be spoiled for Superman Batman movie. They're gonna punch each other and then they're gonna team up and fight something that's an even bigger threat. The end. So here we go. If you don't want to know anything about Batman versus Superman, turn off the show. All right. This is from uh, Latino Review. Pretty good source. All right. Uh, this is... Earlier this year, they were talking about how... They were talking about... Um, what's the chick's name here? Wonder Woman? Uh, no. No. Uh, they broke news that uh, Catwoman. No, I've lost the chick's name. Jenna Malone. Jenna Malone was going to be Carrie Kelly, and then the news broke that no, she's going to be playing Barbara Gordon. Okay. Okay, so that's that's how it is going to be now. So now they're trying to figure out what's the deal is with uh, Robin, because you saw the costume in there. So what's going to happen is who is the dead Robin in the movie? The, the dead Robin is, in fact, Jason Todd. Okay. And that you will not see Nightwing in the movie, though. But he will get a shout-out. They will mention Dick Grayson in the movie. In earlier versions of the script, Jason was supposed to show up as Nightwing. But somewhere along the line, he was he was cut from the movie. So he wasn't cut entirely. There is a line said, but just know that he is Jason's dead. So Joker did kill Jason. Yeah, well, that's good. They keep with the Jason Todd thing. So, which we will, there was an interview somewhere in our notes. Where is it at? There is. BVS talks about nightmares. Okay. The um, Batman versus Superman costume designer talked about spoilers. This was in um, 
This is December 7th, 2015. Uh, Michael Wilkinson attended the CCXP Comic Con experience in Brazil. And he dropped a shitload of spoilers. Uh, live for now. Yeah. <laughs> he caught AIDS in Brazil. Yeah, it was the uh, B. The, the notes uh, is the BVS talks nightmare scene is where I'm at right now. Uh, Justice League will shoot in London for six months. There will be six months of prep work prior to that. Um, Batman has lots of gadgets, but his intimidating strength will, is his real weapon. Because of Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> you okay, Scott? I'm just, I, I'm not laughing because, well, I am laughing because it's funny, but AIDS isn't funny. I shouldn't be laughing. Jesus Christ. I mean, this it's lost just, another viewer. It's just, it's just the first thing that popped in my head. I'm sorry. So, yeah, anyways, he went to Brazil and he popped a spoiler. So, Jesus Christ, Scott. Um, All scenes involving Desert Batman, like the sneak peek we got. All were just a dream that Bruce Wayne is having. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean he's snapping people's necks. Yeah. So uh, yeah. The Flash, played by Ezra Miller, is in Batman versus Superman, Donna Justice, and it's Barry Allen. Batman has lots of gadgets, blah, 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 blah. One of the Kryptonian phrases built into Superman's suit translates to a quote by Joseph Campbell. Where we thought to stand alone, we will be with all the world. Uh, there were many prototypes of the Batman cow to make sure Ben Affleck could turn his head and move freely in the stunt scenes. Yeah, I don't want to be like, what was uh, Michael Keaton? Michael Keaton, yeah. Looked like he was taking a shit every time he spoke. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> the Flash. He did, man. The, uh, the Flash is like an Olympic marathon runner. His body is shredded and lean. He's not big and muscular like the other heroes. Right. Um, Spider-Man building there. So, you know, I mean, I just, everything to me is saying this is probably going to be a good movie. Uh, Batman has been fighting crime for 20 years. But I'm so scared. As far as the Flash goes, you do get a glimpse of him, of course, in Batman vs. Superman. He's Barry Allen. Um, as far as Wonder Woman goes, we wanted her to stand next to the two male counterparts and be very much their equal. Hmm. She very much is, and she has been, and always. I mean, she's freaking Wonder Woman. <laughs> she can, she can technically beat Superman. She probably can't beat Batman though, because he's just badass. But regardless, she can beat Superman. Yeah. I'll give her that. So, for the the nightmare scene, it's a different look. Zach has a great idea of the sort of nightmarish vision. It's almost a vision of the future, a post-apocalyptic vision. It's like a dream that Ben has, so we wanted to. It has a almost a Madden Max quality to quality to it, where it's the end of the world, trying to survive, and then of course Superman and his minions come. 
So it's sort of a way of representing the amazing amounts of the sort of obsessive quality that Bruce Wayne has about the threat of Superman. And the paranoia mm-hmm. also, um, which doesn't look like really it's paranoid in this film if it's based off of the destruction of Metropolis. So The film takes place about eight months after Man of Steel. This cataclysmic event at the end of Man of Steel, and now we're in a world where the consequences of that event are being processed. Many people were killed in that event, and a lot of people see Superman as being responsible for those deaths. And that's something we deal with in this film. It's the nature of power, the responsibility that comes with having this incredible superpowers. It's a film that not only an amazing summer blockbuster with incredible action scenes, but it's also about ideas, and I think that's what's going to make it such an appealing film for people. So your hero, Superman, killed everybody. It's fucking Darwinism. Mm-hmm. If you were still in the immediate vicinity of the big energy pile driver that pounded that city for a day or two, you're a moron. Plain and simple. Should have been like Independence Day. Everybody was trying to get the fuck out except the morons up on the Empire State Building. That's what those people that died in Metropolis was. That's how I'm going to justify this. It was Darwinism at play. Plain and simple. And they released some pictures of the Batcave. What do you think? So a cop gets in a shootout. I'm just hypothetically. Cop gets in a shootout. He's trying to stop somebody. And one of his bullets goes errant and hits somebody. He's in a shootout. He's trying to stop the guy from shooting more people. All right, Superman didn't really make any fucking effort whatsoever to get out of the city. <laughs> one, like, three-second moment of him flying away, like... Trying to drag Zod somewhere else, and then Zod like kidney punched him and bring him back down to Earth would have been all it would have taken. So, anyways, Batcave. Eh, I mean it's a Batcave. Not overly excited about it. I'm not torn up about it. That, that picture's up on Entertainment Weekly as well. Yeah. Um, Avatar Two is set to release. Well, James Cameron's hope is to drop Avatar Two on Christmas 2017. You better start working on the fucking thing now. Yeah, does he even have a script done? I don't know. I'm telling you, man. I think I don't know where they're at on Avatar. I quit. I mean, I, the only reason I really tracked Avatar at all was just because of how big of the box office it was. So I was interested in seeing the sequel. And he's talking about making like what two more of these or three more of these after this one. It's at least two. It's at least four total. I just don't see him make he's i mean no offense but it's gonna be like wheel of time and robert jordan the guy's just gonna pass away <laughs> i mean in an, in an interview with montreal gazette cameron talks um christmas of two of uh, 17 is a target at least that's what we've announced but i don't consider that to be as important as the fact that when we get all three films done we drop them a year apart i call it a meta narrative that runs across the three movies each film stands alone but it also tells one much larger story. We have designed more or less finished, which is an enormous task. It's been about a two-year task. We finished all the creatures in the landscapes and the new worlds within the world of Pandora that you see. The writing is ongoing, but almost finished. What the fuck, dude? Your art direction's important. Your writing is the backbone, the soul, the endocrine system, the fucking central nervous system of every of your fucking movie. Period. 
technical that shit should be done first. Technical development is done. Stages are done. Infrastructure. So we're really poised to start after the first of the year. All our green screen is ready. That's where they're at with Avatar. We got our green screen ready, boys. Let's get this fucking special effects on screen. Oh, and the scripts over here. They're almost they're they're almost done with it after fucking seven years or six years. We'll do it live. And I I, I have faith that it's gonna be a decent film. It's James Cameron is usually pretty good. But and I mean I liked Avatar. I mean it was just I don't know. It's not something that stuck with me. You know what I mean? It was like I watched it in the theater. I thought, oh, that was good. I went home and that was it. I didn't really care anymore. So I've seen it once after the theater, uh, like two years ago. It was on, before I got rid of cable, it was on like HBO or Showtime or something. So it's not a bad movie, you know. It's got a lot of good story beats, really, but, you know, it's Pocahontas yeah. through and through. So. And last bit of news is not really news, so we really don't need to cover it unless you want to. Um, eh, we could talk about it. Yeah. We could be a little deeper and, and maybe talk about story elements. And in his re- in the recent book, The Art of Star Wars, The Force Awakens, concept artist Ian McKay talked about his initial pitch for Anakin to make a return in the film via screen crush. Uh, when you light a candle, you also cast a shadow. That inspired me to propose for the first time that Anakin's ghost could come back. If we see Anakin Skywalker because he does flow back and forth between Darth Vader and Anakin, let's see him as a character within a dark and light side. The reason Luke is this whole new entity is because he was the first to acknowledge his own dark side, that it was not separate from him. Uh, There's some concept art that... Anakin would be in The Force Awakens. But, of course, spoilers, Anakin is not in The Force Awakens. And as... Um, the First off, the concept art was fantastic. The, the way he... The, all three renditions that I saw. Um, the three of him in the mask. and the one, the one where he's in the mask, one he's half mask, and one where he's not masked. Not the one with the freaking Photoshop looking Force Ghost. Um, they're fantastic. And I think it would have been really interesting that you think, like you talk about Luke was the first one to acknowledge that his dark side was a part of him. And I think it would have been really interesting to see a Force Ghost who walked into the light at the end of the saga still has that dark element to him because that's a part of his core person, just like it should be a part of Yoda's core and Obi-Wan's core. And I think that would have been a really interesting story element to have chased a little bit. I don't know how it could have fit in with the script they had. Um, I mean, I could have. I'm not saying it couldn't. I just don't hadn't really thought of it that much. But, I mean, it would have been cool to see him maybe talking to Kylo Ren and trying to maybe sway him to the light. And then Kylo Ren makes a good point and you kind of see that dark side. Be like, yeah, I don't know. But I was thinking when I first saw those pictures, wouldn't it be cool is if as he communicated light and dark elements or ideals, um, if he flowed from like the light side to the dark side, like he morphed, you know what I'm saying? Like his visage, his visage changed. It just like covered up, you know, that would have been cool. Not so much morphed as in 
but more more supernatural looking rather than yeah, the closer black and white. to one side, the, the more you can see Anakin changing it from one side to the other. Yeah. So um and see, you know, that that complexity that's supposed to be there. Uh I don't know. I think it would have been could have been a very strong story beat instead of um spoilers again, instead of making your third spoilers there, but but your third act is essentially a new hope condensed into one act. So, eh, you know, I think they could have, they could have spent more time on that. They could have spent more time building up Kylo Ren's struggles. Because so, in the movie, you know, he's talking to the helmet of Darth Vader, looking for inspiration. Darth Vader's ashes are there. Kylo Ren slaps his helmet down in it in one scene. It's pretty badass. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot more they could have done with that and made it a little deeper and still had that swashbuckling element that that it had. Well, there's always episode two or episode eight, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I mean, I don't care if they bring Hayden Christensen back or not. I don't think Hayden Christensen's Fucking name an amazing name an amazing actor. I don't care who it is, but I don't think he's a top tier actor. But I think he has ability. I just think that the dialogue and the direction of Star Wars prequels didn't do him any justice because it sure as hell didn't do hardly anybody in the series any justice. Well, I mean, think about um, look at Natalie Portman. Yeah, think of Natalie Portman. Think of um. You feed somebody shit, guess what they're going to shit? Shit. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you feed them a steak dinner, they're still going to shit. shit. Well, well, Regardless. Remember, um, what was the scene from, um, was it Wayne's World 2 had Charlton Heston? The, yeah. You had that horrible, horrible actor at the gas station. Had yeah. those shitty lines, and then he gave it to Charlton Heston the exact same lines, and he fucking killed it. Yes, he did. That's my favorite scene in the movie. So, yeah, I mean, uh, was it the Glass House? Was that what Hayden Christensen was in before? Yeah. I saw that movie one time, so forgive me if I'm wrong. See, the media did really well on that. I'd have to watch it again. So, and there were, I mean, he had moments where he was good in Revenge of the Sith. I don't know so much about Attack of the Clones if he was ever good. I don't know. After he killed the Sand People, I thought he was pretty good for that brief scene where he talked yeah. about killing them and murdering them and all that and they were animals i mean the dude was flipping out because they just killed his fucking mom and people's like he's whiny well no shit yeah. his mom's dead he's allowed to whine yeah. and murder <laughs> commit genocide well, i think we, we need to blame ron howard and steven spielberg, steven spielberg and um, robert Semeckis because they lucas went to all three of them and said hey you guys want to direct these films they said no you should do it well, you know, track record at that time, <laughs> when he had direct was pretty good. Yeah. You know, and again, I like the prequels. I like I them too. I don't deny their weaknesses or their strengths either way. Just like the original trilogy, there's there's weaknesses and strengths. Any oh, yeah. film you make, there is nothing perfect. They're just a lot more obvious in the prequels. And the, the fucking wooden dialogue and... Yeah, I just wish he would have went to somebody else and said, "Can can can you clean up my dialogue because I know my dialogue's kind of weak." 
Yeah, Irvin Kirshner, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There's a guy you go to. Hey, Mr. Made the one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, George Lucas had made one of the better movies ever made at that point. Mm -hmm. And American Graffiti was excellent. So, you know, he produced a lot of great shit. So, But, you know, I hate all the shit that he gets for it because we all sit and laugh and joke and make fun and shit. And yeah, he made some poor decisions. Don't get me wrong. But they were his decisions to make. And it's like me and you. We write a script or we write a story. And there's things that we do that's not great. Clearly. Mm -hmm. and, and we, we're we not pissing the wind to George Lucas's accomplishments nope. as far in any of that. So whatever. You know, it's not to deny that he did make mistakes, but that's to put it relative. This guy went out and built an empire, literally. Yeah. With some nerdy ass story he wrote when he was in college. And then he turns around. I mean, how big is Star Wars? What is the value of Star Wars? Four billion dollars. Well, according to the news there the other day, it's ten billion dollars. You yeah. know, well, he sold just settled four. for four. Yeah. yeah. He was yeah. dumb for four. There's another stupid decision. I don't yeah. that out for like six or seven. So yeah. Disney as a company is going to make billions off of that deal. I mean, look at the movie. Its box office is ridiculous. Its merchandising is ridiculous. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's people like right now, like, oh, you know, Star Wars toys everywhere. Well, those Star Wars toys ensure you get more Star Wars movies if you're a fan of Star Wars. Believe mm -hmm. that. So or TV shows and comics and all the stuff that we consume that's Star Wars. I mean, if we didn't buy it, it wouldn't be there. And Disney wouldn't be selling it to us. Just like fucking DLC and shit. So. Amiibos, Scott. <laughs> Amiibos, yeah. And they're fucking useless other than collecting dust. I just They're just yeah. aesthetically pleasing. Now, I, my kids and me, just like the Infinity Toys and the Skylanders, you know, people, the physical side of it, we set and have like Skylander battles, like we're playing with He-Man action figures and amiibo battles and all this shit they've got like the the skylands the skylanders they have floating islands they got like the floating island playset, and they got the flynn who's like got the ship that flies around we got the we got the big playset for that so i mean we utilize them as action figures they just also do dlc so well they're primarily dlc but they they do action figures too so if it wasn't for that i wouldn't i wouldn't invest in all three properties so which we also got lego dimensions by the way we got them that for christmas man the games the game's good but the toys to life is just not is is not even what the other ones are because you get like these little minifigs i guess you can play and have like the little action figure battles with those man that's some outrageous money to spend on that what was what we eight hundred dollars for what was actually out we had that a couple podcasts ago. Several of them. Uh, which one? Uh, it was more than that. Well, I think it was $800 for the initial. If <coughs> everything that was available at launch was $800 combined. Or maybe a little more. It was more than that, yeah. But I think where the other cost was coming was all the expansion sets coming out this year. Like yeah. Superman comes out in March or April or some shit. January even. I don't know. There's like a bunch of sets coming out. Like hundreds of dollars more. So, yeah. Oh, on to the last segment of the day, the wrestling news. 
Um, Steve Austin closes the door on possibility of having one more match in WWE. He talked to ABC News, and they asked him if he would ever return to the ring. He said, nah, man, I'm done. I'm, I'd rather leave well enough alone. And The Rock said that he confirms that he will be appearing at WrestleMania 32. So it is confirmed The Rock versus Austin at WrestleMania 32. Sounds great. <laughs> I would uh, say uh, Austin's looked at Sting's situation <laughs> and said, fuck this shit. Uh, but no, um, Austin will be there. He'll probably just raise a beer or two. So Rock's going to be there. Don't know if he's going to be wrestling or not, but he will be there. That was kind of a touch and go for a while because of, I think he's filming Baywatch at the time. But uh, don't know if he's going to be wrestling, but he will be there. So now I don't know if I'm going to sell my tickets or not. Glad I haven't. We should start like a, a Facebook group or a, a hashtag. If The Rock's in it, go watch it. <laughs> I don't care what the fuck it is, what the premise is. If The Rock's in it, go watch that shit. Yeah. I love watching that guy and anything he does. So. <sighs> I still got my WrestleMania tickets, so... I mean, he could make like six-hour videos shitting on quadriplegics. And I, <laughs> I, would watch, I would watch that shit. <laughs> you want the rock's bottom? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like him. He's a good. He's he's a fun actor to watch. So, um, he's a freaking amazing wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. I just hope he rock bottom somebody. Oh, he will. Like Ronda Rousey. And awesome. NWA for December 28th, 1985. You got your show notes open, Scott? Hi, they're in my brain. <laughs> you got my show notes open? They're on my tab. <laughs> um, about 15 seconds before my computer switches over to the tab I just clicked on. Windows there 10. you go. That was quick. Uh, show starts off with Nikita Koloff <laughs> killing a... Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> show starts off with Nikita Koloff killing a prop out of show. I wish we got to watch some of these because I want to review these. I think that guy died. That was a hell of a fucking close line. First off, that guy did not look that agile. <laughs> no. And he fucking backflipped. Now, don't get me wrong. The prop, the prop had something to do with that. Don't get me wrong. No, that so was a, he, he agreed to show up. <laughs> yeah. That and was, he pulled off agreed to execute his ass. Yeah. That was a hell of a 360 bump he took. I don't know how he I mean, I I mean I didn't even see him hip up or nothing. I was like, how the I should have rewound it. I was like, Yeah, I mean, he's he he helped get over, but it was I mean, did he just flex his toes? <laughs> I mean, shit. <laughs> And he, nine, he turned over in such a way that he had to be helping. It didn't look like someone on a motorcycle hitting a tree limb. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually it did. Yeah. Most guys, they just do like a, a quarter flip when, when they take that bump. No. And they twist. Yeah, they, they, twist. they do like a, a twist. Because they don't have enough force to get over. 1985, this guy just did like a standing moonsault. This guy just fucking took a flip. Like, he literally flexed his toes. is the only thing he could have done. So Nikita Koloff had a lot to do with that velocity that got that guy over. But, I, I, I mean, I wonder, did that guy intend to do a complete backflip? 
was he intending to do a half flip and then twist and you know what I mean? Yeah. And he went literally. Mm. He was like stiff as a fucking board. <laughs> his, his toes and his head changed position precisely, <laughs> and he landed on his fucking face. He did a complete fucking backflip. I think if he had wanted to, he could have landed on his feet. I honestly so, was not expecting that. I was expecting no. Russian circle. The guy goes flat on his back, and when I, was I saw that fucking get past the opening credits or the opening intro, I was like, I'm gonna go straight to the fucking first talking segment. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna just skip past this five minutes they spend with their old school intro, and yeah. it's like I'm like Nikita Koloff. <laughs> <laughs> That was a fucking ICBM from Mother Russia. Damn. That was, that was amazing. Nikita Koloff's fucking amazing. That was Nikita Assured Destruction. Yeah. So he, I, I mean, literally, I could talk about that for the next hour. <laughs> I, I never thought I would see a clothesline that I thought was better than the Lex Luger Ricky Steamboat clothesline. Because Lex Luger literally tried to kill fucking Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> That was and, Ricky's retirement bump if he was ever going to take one. No, Lex wanted a shot at the world title backstage. He's like, man, I'm not getting the respect I need. They think I came up too fast. I rolled in with an agent like Ric Flair said in that podcast <laughs> 25 years from now. <laughs> I got to do something if I ever want to be a champ. Ricky Stevens a good motherfucking wrestler. I'm going to kill this bitch. <laughs> and he did. So I'm just – Nikita Koloff tried to kill this guy. Like – I'm starting to think, man, there were some words in the backstage. Like, this guy fucked Nikita's <laughs> wife and then money shot at his mom when he got finished. <laughs> that's how that's how hard Nikita Koloff hit this guy. It's like Dusty came back there and said, hey, listen, brother, you want to go over on TV? Go out there and clothesline this fucker. By the way, I think he fucked your wife last night. What? Yeah. Yeah. All the boys were talking about it, and he nut shut in your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell you that, though, baby. <laughs> Go get it. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, like, if you have WWE Universe or Network, network <laughs> you need to go to the vault and bring up NWA World Championship Wrestling December 28th, 1985. And if you watch anything, just watch the intro. Yeah. This whole fucking show was awesome, though. It was a very good show overall. But damn. Like, Nikita Koloff literally committed the... It was a snuff film. It was a fucking snuff film. <laughs> uh, following that, we get uh, Tony Schiavone and David Crockett. Gurney? <laughs> and and the murder. Tony Schiavone and David Crockett introduced us to the show. Fat boy Dusty Rose comes out. He puts over that a magnum bastard. and buried Flair. Apparently a fan, Dusty had to have told the cameraman who it was, was joking around with Dusty about his hair before the show and said it looked like it was combed by a weed eater. One of the greatest and, quotes ever. Yeah, And he said that he was going, what he was going to do for her. He was going to debut a new hairstyle next week and it was going to be a Dusty Rose, Grace Jones lookalike and it was going to be bad to the bone jack. Yes. So Sapphire was going to come out? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like you combine Dusty Rhodes and Grace Jones. You get Sapphire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Oh, shit. Uh, 
Bad. Bye but bye. Yeah. Three more viewers. So yes, he was time dating this fucking thing. But even by even though nobody else knew what the fuck that she was talking about, he took time out on the show that probably a million people were watching this thing. I don't know the fucking numbers. I'm not Melcher. But he was the booker. His name was on the fucking end of the credits. Yes, fucking Virgin Reynolds watched the end of the credits. And he took time out to talk to one person in the crowd on the show during a promo and nobody else. He stopped talking about Ric Flair and Magnum TA. It was personal interaction with the fans in the studio at home, just like he would do with the Hard Times promo, but on the smallest scale. Something nobody can do today. So, good job, Dusty. Uh, next match was um, Sam Houston versus Tony Zane, a.k.a. Bizarro Paul. It started off promising for about six seconds. Yeah. He did a little Carl thing. I was like, oh, he's going to do something different. Nope. First off, I would nair the rest of my body if I was Tony Zane. Why would you have little strips of hair? They had nair back then. Makes no sense. Sam Houston, master of the armbar. That's all he fucking does. Was he trained by Ole Anderson? Sam Houston is not exciting. He's boring as shit. Fuck Sam Houston. At least Brazara Paul does more than a fucking armbar. What I thought was funny was the um, one of the people with the ringside must have been standing right beside the camera mic. <laughs> Give him the bulldog, Sam! Yeah. yeah, we don't know this is fucking coming. Whap! Yeah, Sam. 14 arm bars and a fucking bulldog, and it was over. Sam Houston was boring as fuck. Damn, he was. Yeah, I'm not to say I agree. Was that like the beginning of his career? It had to have been, yeah. I mean, because I remember watching him a little bit, and it, I don't remember being that fucking terrible. I never, I mean, it ain't fucking Ric Flair, don't get me wrong, but shit. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Tully's promo. Well, he's alone this week. Promo was not as good as last week's. Putting over the TV title tournament, and that tonight is the last night in the bunkhouse stampede. Apparently, the first person Tully's working in the tournament is Holly Race. The best line is, I'm going to walk out Greensboro calls. Greensboro Coliseum with the World's TV Championship around my waist, and if Magnum will ever get in the ring, I'll have a belt on each shoulder. The uh, best thing about Tully's promo was his jacket. That was a fly jacket. Yeah. Uh, promo with the young Jim Cornette. Red jacket on yeah. Jim Cornette. Basically, he just ran down to Rock and Roll Express, and one of the belts in his mom's house was bonked and say, look what my son won for me. I don't know. I stopped listening because I was too upset because I knew the theme song was going to be changed. And sure enough, the Midnight Express versus Mark Cooper and Josh Stroud. Shitty music. God, I wish WWE would pay royalties for more than just Flair song. This is off topic, but ECW and WWE Network is just shit to watch because the fake-ass music kills the whole vibe of the show. And it dies. This shit kills the Midnight Express music entrance. What the hell is Dennis Country wearing? He looks like a fat gay cowboy. <laughs> the Midnight Both Express fat and gay shame in the same sentence. <laughs> the Midnight Express killed Mark Cooper. It was a pretty brutal match. For Midnight he looked Express. like a fluffy, fabulous cowboy. Yeah. Uh, the Midnight Express uh, killed Mark Cooper. <laughs> yes, they did. It, I mean, I was watching this and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Nikita Koloff come back here and be like, you guys don't fucking kill somebody, I'll kill you. 
You know? I was I like, what the fuck is wrong with everybody tonight? I don't even think Marsh, uh, Josh Stroud got in the ring, did he? I don't think he wanted to. Are you fucking kidding me? They beat the fucking brakes off that other guy. <laughs> and the, uh, the fucking wardrobe that... With AutoZone, they wouldn't even give him a fucking core charge on those brakes. He was fucking done. They beat yeah. the shit out of him. They threw him outside the ring. They beat the living hell out of him. When he landed outside the ring, I thought he hit a fucking table. That was the fucking floor that made that smack sound. I was like, Jesus Christ. They tried, that was, there was something boiling right there. Like, I could overlook what the brief second I saw Nikita is just. I'm overselling. I'm fucking destroying this guy. But I'm telling you what, I think there was some issues between Midnight Express and those guys. They were brutal, man. I was like, God. I was like, I don't want to fucking work tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it was. Bobby Eaton was the worst. <laughs> I didn't have yeah, Bobby that fucking brutal in a match. A long no. time. No. Uh, Arn Anderson versus George South. It was a basic Arn Anderson prop match. Beat the shit out of George South. It was over quick. I like how snappy Arn Anderson is in his movements. I mean, he just, boom, and he's in. So. Uh, Ric Flair promo. God, Ric Flair's robe was awesome. Yes, it was. Uh, Ric Flair quote, I am so high on being Ric Flair, I might just stick around for another 20 years. And yep, he did. It was a great Ric Flair promo, pro, promo, more entertaining than Dusty's. The girls loved him. Flair was basically a cool hill, not an evil hill. How the hell can you hate Ric Flair? This version of Flair was everything Ric Flair encapsulated. He was my perfect version of Ric Flair. He was funny, arrogant, the best promo in the business. He was the champ. He was built like a champ and could back up everything he said. He was... Owning the crowd, and every time the camera focused on one of them, you could just you could just see that those uh, ladies were excitable. Oh yeah, all of them wanted to fuck Flair. Fuck, I wanted to fuck Flair. <laughs> Flair was awesome. It was a good promo. He was legitimately the limousine riding, Jeff flying, kiss stealing, will and dealing son of a gun right there. It's not gay if it's out of respect. He, he was fucking. <laughs> 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 it, was, it was like how. Uh, uh, like Chris Jericho said on his podcast, I'm I'm 99 straight, one percent gay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rocky King versus uh, Mac Jeffers or Mark Jeffers. I can't remember. I spelled that wrong. Um, hell, I forgot Rocky King even existed. And with a shitty match like that, I'm glad I did. That was just a horrible match. It was just slams. I don't even think right down who won. I think Rocky King did. Now the props tonight. Um. Some of them, you could tell they had been working, like practicing and training. Yeah, I'm not talking about physical appearance, which there was two that were on there that were built really, really well. But they were getting the basic core movements down much better than most props I saw. Like the guy in the purple singlet, that guy hadn't been working very hard <laughs> at anything. But, you know, those couple guys, they they – they showed a little bit of promise, but somewhere, you know, they just couldn't cut promos. They couldn't. Maybe that was their best performance they ever gave. I'm not saying any of them did good. I'm just saying I could see that these guys have been practicing, have been training. Promo with, Dust, um, with Magnum TA and his mullet. 
Good Sears promo by Magnum. Calling out the female man, fans. And Slick Rick, the one driving all these little girls crazy. Well, that's just great. It's nice he has such a tremendous following. Huge prop from the girls. Um, damn, they love Flair. More than Magnum. It's like Scott and I wrote this show. To paraphrase Magnum, Magnum went on to say that they seem to forgot that he broke Dusty, that they forgot that he broke Dusty's leg. Quote, if that someone, if that's some characteristic that makes him admirable, then and that makes a great man, then I don't want to be a great man. It was a great it, it was a great fucking promo by Magnum. He basically called out all the fans on, on their bullshit. Yeah, that's exactly what he did. Yeah. So here's this guy who, who you know, Flair's a great wrestler, yeah, but him and the Andersons took a human being, they held down his leg, and they broke his fucking ankle, his, his leg. And you're thinking that this guy's so fucking great and terrific. What the fuck's wrong with you people? There's a lot of people still like thought that wrestling was pretty real at the time. Mm. Like they were still on TV clear into the nineties. You know, is wrestling real? Yes, there were skeptics, but there I remember talking to adults and talking to people that are older than me now. Well, like we'll be like reminiscing about WWF or something like that. And I'll be like, yeah, man, I still, I mean, sometimes, you know, I'd hear somebody say something, but it was just so easy to believe it was real. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I guess, I mean, looking back, I'm like, you're retarded if you thought that shit was yeah. a real fight. You know, yeah, I know it's a real athletic endeavor and all that, but it's, unless you're Nikita Koloff killing somebody, it wasn't <laughs> typically a real fight. Or if it was the Road Warriors, yeah. you know, it was a performance and, and it's great for what it is, but. A lot of people thought that these guys were really getting um, hit with knockout punches. Yeah, they were getting punched. Don't get me wrong, but they were, you know, everybody was dialing back at the moment of impact. Yeah, you know, they they knew what they were doing. Hands were coming open, things like that. That's that's but, that's the greatness of the of the sport is that they could convince people, people that had been in fistfights, that this these people were really punching each other with knockout power. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that was interesting. Or if you're Vic Van Vader getting your eye knocked out of your socket. <laughs> yeah, but that was a tremendous. That was one of Magnum's best fucking promos. That was, a good, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> but as soon as he said, and Slick Rick, the one driving all these little girls crazy, and they all the girls fucking popped right there. <laughs> I was like, oh man, this is a great, I mean, great fucking promo. Because as soon as he called out the girls, that was fucking awesome. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, this is surprising. You couldn't fucking get away with that now, because you got to stick to the fucking script. He, that was amazing. Scripted promos are so fucking horrible. Yeah, the WWE should challenge their audience a little yeah. bit, and they'll probably see a lot more interest. Yeah, Black Bart versus Jim Jeffers. I, you know, they should sue Black Bart for false advertisement. <laughs> I can't tell if that... Um, Mike Hag I can't tell if that's Mike Hager or Dan Severn from a distance, but it doesn't matter. Game over. Mike Hager gets the compactor. Uh, Jim Cornette promo. Jim says his mother, with the exception of Cornette, was the only one she likes is Tony. So she gave Tony a gift, a tie with tennis rackets on it. 
Uh, Cornette buries the Rock and Roll Express, typical promo, and he takes the tie back at the end of the promo. Now, I thought it was funny because Jim Cornette was, he was about the, he he was, I'm trying to think of, he wasn't, he was not able to make it through the whole promo without kind of cracking up. (laughs) He was losing a little bit in the promo. I don't know what it was, what was said. I mean, I watched the promo. It was a decent promo, but something there had him tickled and he was doing all he could to maintain his composure. And he was, he was cracking on the surface. Yeah. Especially when he took the tie at the end, he was just about to blow it right then, and then he he got off screen. I think he probably actually cut the promo short. Yeah. So. Next match. <clears throat> this is when it becomes a fucking great show. Ole versus Magnum, Superstar Championship Series, back and forth match, hard hitting, and I think Magnum potatoes Ole with one shot. They're trading blows back and forth. There was a close-up of Ole's face. Magnum punches Ole, and you get a loud sound effect. And Ole has this look on his face, and he's out for about five seconds. But that's not a sound effect. <laughs> that's sound hitting a microphone. Because Ole has this fucking look on his face like, oh, fuck, Magnum. <laughs> he was fucking out. Dude, he got... That was a that was a I saw I saw Magnum TA Ole Anderson. I thought, okay, I have not watched a whole lot of Magnum TA, so he's okay. Ole Anderson, I've seen plenty of, and I was just like, oh boy. Guy, I mean, he, you know, he was good for his era, but I was just not interested. And then like, damn, that was a good match. Yeah. Let's uh, let's let's give Magnum credit for the match that I never have. He will sell his ass off and then jump back up and beat the hell out of him like a house on fire. Magnum was awesome. Damn, I would have loved to work with this guy. He just needed more moves. He went for the armbar way too much early on. However, he was working with Oli, so Oli probably told him, work the arm again, the people will love it. After the commercial break, Arn Anderson comes out, and so does Dusty Rhodes. The bell rang signaling the end of the match because, I guess, of the time limit on the regular challenge series. Ollie takes off. He's done. Jim Crockett comes out and says, no, I said pinfall or submission. Take a break, then start this back over. The hills are pissed. The match starts back over. Arn trips Magnum. Dusty runs over and attacks Arn from behind like a coward. Ole runs over to help his friend out who's in peril. Magnum, the other coward, sneaks over behind Ole, rolls him up for a victory roll and gets the pin. It was a great fucking match. Yeah, they get a good finish. So I, I mean I was that I mean I've I've watched Magnum TA over the years. But I bet I, I bet that was the fifth or sixth match I watched, and that's where I saw the potential. That yeah. was a, he did awesome. Yeah, they went for the on bar a little bit too much. Um, but no, that was a good match. The guy was in great shape, too. And I just kept thinking, yep, there's a wreck Corvette in your future, buddy. Yeah. So. Yeah, the more the more I watched Magnum the more I'm thinking, fuck, it's going to be so sad. Like, if, if he keeps getting good like this, it's going to be so fucking horrible when we see the car wreck angle. Yeah. Like, fuck, we're going to be marking out for this guy pretty soon. And it's like, Oh shit! I'm officially a fan. You yeah, the he had cut a, he's cut an awesome promo, and he had a really good match. Let's see if he holds it up. What was it? 87 when he was in that wreck. 
87. I think 87, I think. All right. So we have a, a while yet. But, and Ole did fucking good, too. That's it's the like, best match I've seen Ole do. Yeah. It's like last week or so, it was like, it was this arm bar, arm bar, arm bar, arm bar. I was yeah. like, this match is total shit. But when Ole wants to turn it on, he can fucking do it. Yep. And Magnum did great too. Yeah, well, I mean it was this. It was a night for people to hit each other. That was that's crazy. They turned it on tonight. Better than fucking raw. Holy crap! But <laughs> for that first shot, I'm like, the whole mass they were beating the shit out of each other. You could hear the smacking. And I don't think it this it was just because it was in the studio. It was just because they, they were beating the hell out of each other. Jim Crockett Jr. promo. That was supposed to have been the uh, last match in the Superstar Challenge Series, but they were having one more on Friday, February 7th at 10 p.m. It would be 4 p.m., so it would be a four matches, so fans can write in. So it's Cyber Monday, or wherever the fuck the WWE has now, but 30 years before its time. So sorry, WWE, you weren't the first fucking ones to do this shit, like you always say you are. Now... Ric Flair versus Ronnie Garvin. I wish we saw the inference, but eh, I have to say, I never liked Ronnie Garvin. I always liked Jimmy Garvin better. Now, the fact that Flair was able to get anything decent out of Ronnie Garvin proves how great Ric Flair is. Mostly back and forth chops, and Flair is selling for Garvin because Garvin sucks. Sorry, I just hate Ronnie Garvin. Yeah, I mean, he was physical, but that was about it. Yeah, Garvin does a lot of stupid, ugly head bunts and weird-ass rolls. Everything Garvin does just looks wrong. So Flair gets sick of Garvin's shit and nuts him on the top rope and gives a ref bump. Not sure if that was a DQ or not. Should have been. Dusty comes out and attacks Flair and puts him in the figure four. Ole and Aaron comes out and beats out beats on Dusty and works over his leg. Then the rest of the cavalry, a.k.a. all props and Magnum, comes to the rescue, but they all get cut off before they make it to the ring. Eventually, Magnum makes it to the ring. Flair and the Andersons make it to the uh, promo area. Ole talks about family and justice and how they can't even get in the ring without worrying about someone trying to jump to the ring. There is no justice. Flair starts screaming. I can't translate it, but the end is, where the best there is, where the Andersons, where Ric Flair, where the best there is, whether you like it or not. You get up in the morning, you learn to live with it. Because we are the best there is. And tell your old man I said so. Also, Tony said there's outside interference. So Flair wins, which makes no sense because Flair bumped the referee. Uh, they did beat the hell out of each other. Flair took a hell of a bump outside. Yep. On that floor. Flair sold... Like a motherfucker for Garvin, but he had to because it's fucking Garvin. I was relieved when they rushed the ring. It's like, thank God it's over. It wasn't all bad. Don't get me wrong. Flair carried it. And Garvin did have a few moments, but all in all, it was just a kind of a, it felt like filler. Garvin is sloppy as hell. Yeah. I can't believe they gave this fucker the belt. Eventually, in 87. Yeah. People get favors all the time. 
Somebody owed him a favor. He must have gave a favor to give a favor. Or he gave some favors. So the Italian stallion. I forgot this guy existed. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that wasn't the main event, but no. Italian stallion versus Pablo Crenshaw. This makes no sense. Why the fuck isn't Ric Flair the main event? And that's all I have to say about that match. J.J. Uh, Dillon promo, talking a lot about Tully. I'm not sure when Tully started being managed by J.J., but he was saying he handled the arrangement for Baby Doll's trip to Acapulco, so we should be getting J.J. into Horseman very soon. An angry promo by America's team and Ronnie Garvin. Dusty busted up the podium. All three of them threatened to beat the hell out of Ric Flair and the Andersons. They say they know where Ric Flair and the Andersons are, and they're going to go look for them right now. They're bullies, Scott. That's assholes. And the main event, <laughs> Tully Blanchard versus Kent Glover, a.k.a. Ricky from the Trailer Park Boys. Uh, very quick match by Tully. He just wanted that over with, like the rest of us. I guess he wasn't a fan of the Trailer Park Boys. So... All in all, it's a pretty good show. It was a pretty good show. Actually, it was a great fucking show, too. Especially if you consider it compared to Raw. Um, highlight of the night was definitely the intro. Yeah. Your blam. Man, I'll tell you. I bet I bet that guy's freaking children were all cross-eyed after that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet his grandchildren are cross-eyed. Wait a minute. I don't think he had any grandchildren. No. Children. If he didn't have them already, he sure as fuck didn't have them after that night. Yeah. Man, he got blasted. I mean, it looked like a truck just came in and just hit him right in the face. It's like, holy shit. I know that guy never amounted to anything. Because he died. He died. <laughs> Fucking prop. Jesus. So, um... If you're not watching... He's probably that quadriplegic the Rock's going to shit on in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, all in all, if you guys are not watching these shows, you should at least go back and watch the opening in the uh, Magnum TA match. Definitely worth watching. Yeah, the 28th December 85 show was really, really good. Yeah. Um, hopefully by next week there will be some new to watch for a talk about. If not, eh, we still have reviews. Uh, let me look at my calendar. get our uh, game of the year list. Uh, see yeah, next Tuesday. Weeks. Um, uh, next Tuesday is the fifth. Um, Wrestle Kingdom is, I think, the fourth. I don't know if Scott's gonna be able to watch it or not. That's the New Japan show. I give it a shot. It's gonna be about four hours long, so I don't know if Scott's gonna be able to watch it or not. But we'll see. So, Damn. 
Scott's got a couple shows to catch up on, matches at least. Should at least watch the last year. So I'll see what I can get Scott caught up on by then. So um, that will be it for today. So um, oh, okay. I guess game of the year is going to be Bro Force, right? It's in the running, but we can't reveal it yet. <laughs> Shit. We got to do a list, man. It's Bro Force. We need to play more Bro Force. Um, Bro Force, Fallout 4. That's all we got. <laughs> I'm like a Mario maker. So. Bro Force is pretty good, though. Uh, real quick here, since it's relevant to today. Uh, the Force Awakens is number 10 all time worldwide, unadjusted gross. Unadjusted? Unadjusted. Unadjusted. Uh, like so billion. 1.161 billion. So Iron Man 3 is next on the list. 1.215 billion. So I'd say by the end of next weekend or middle of next week, it's going to pass it up. It won't take long. But it'll jump ahead of a bunch of movies. Wow, Marvel Studios has three in the top ten. DC, DC should have more than that, but they're stupid. They're stupid. Yeah. Shocking. Oh, I went and watched the new Alvin and Chipmunks movie. I'm surprisingly enjoyed myself. I mean, there were some terrible moments, like Gargamel type acting. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um, out of the villain guy, but hey, it was it was actually pretty funny. So, I mean, I always like fart jokes. So. I'm very classy. Was that three Alvin and Chipmunks films? Four. Four? Yeah. There's one and two. The Squeakle. There's one, the Squeakle, Chipwrecked, and Road Trip. Road Chip. I'm sorry, Road Chip. Jason Lee's still on those? Yes. He's getting gray. Is he now? Now, the guy played Uncle E, and I can't remember what the hell his name is. Um, he wasn't in it this time. Hmm. So, yeah, it was surprisingly entertaining. I mean, I, I didn't care for three, but I liked one and two. So, I really liked one. <clears throat> so, I mean, they're not high cinema. Don't get me wrong. I can enjoy something and it not be high cinema. But, yeah, it was good. So. Nothing new on Latino Review, so I think that's it. Damn. Here's another one. Sorry. <laughs> 11 day total Star Wars versus Avatar. 11 days, $571 million for Star Wars. 11 days, $232 million for Avatar. What's the domestic total for Star Wars? <clears throat> uh, $571 million. That's domestic. Domestic. Mm -hmm. Domestic 11-day totals for both films, $571 million and $232 million. That's a lot of freaking money. $160-ish <clears throat> million ahead of Jurassic World at the same time. So $571 million versus 414 
That movie is freaking laying it down. Yep. Well, every time I drive by the theaters, even the small theaters, it's still packed. Oh, yeah. We, uh, when we went to, um, the movies this past weekend, the, uh, we went to the movies 10 in Nelsonville and, which is really cheap and they have decent screens and cheap ass food. That's the best part. Like our entire trip for the four of us, four popcorns, four movie tickets, four drinks, and two huge bags of fruit snacks. And it was like $26 total. So, and the seats are really comfortable and you can pull the armrest up. So you can, the person besides you can snuggle. (laughs) Athena Grand, it's like 18 or $20 for one popcorn and two movie tickets. But we drove, but anyways, both of the theaters were packed. We drove by the Athena Grand and because Movies 10 has this huge arcade with like, um, the little small bowling game where you throw the actual physical balls, but they're like smaller. And then you got like all kinds of light gun games and guitar hero, just all kinds of arcade machines. Really awesome place. Really cheap. So like we hit, we played in the sit down Jurassic park cabinet. It must be like the most recent one, I guess. Cause it was like graphically, it was pretty impressive and it was, the guns were nice, but I mean, it was a huge cap. It was like a $10,000 cabinet. Easy. And, uh, it's like 50 cents a play. So you can't beat that shit. That'd be like a dollar fifty on in a mall or something. So two bucks even. If anybody is interested, A and E has released a new thirty-second trailer for their upcoming horror series, Damien, which is set to air in early twenty sixteen. The ten episode Damien stars Bradley James and Barbara Hershey and is based off the nineteen seventy six horror film The Omen which focuses on a 30-year-old Damien Thor who is coming to terms with his existence as the Antichrist. The new A&E series is produced by The Walking Dead executive producer Glenn Maserati. they pronounce his name? Yep. Who will be pre- present at the Comic-Con panel for the show on Thursday night. <clears throat> A&E has had previous success with their original program, which includes Bates Motel, based off Hitchcock, uh, horror film Psycho. The prequel series stars actors Vera Farmzina, I think, and actor Freddie Highmore, who plays a younger version of serial killer Norman Bates as him and his mother. Okay, all right, bullshit. I don't care about that. I need shit about Damien. So uh, Damien is now 30 years old, so they're not doing it based off young Damien. He's 30 years old now. That's an interesting yeah. way to go. Oh, Lord have mercy. You watching the trailer? No. Oh. I just was looking at some Doctor Strange stuff. Okay, so one of the contributing writers to Ain't It Cool News or Ain't It Cool.com now, Massa Worm, is freaking writing Doctor Strange. Well, maybe a nerd doing those we're talking about. Maybe. I think if he's one of the ones who's writing, I can stand to read. There's one guy on there I do don't mind to read his reviews. Everybody else is just stupid. Like his hairy and his giggle shit. I, I think I just read it because it's a fucking train wreck. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, whatever. At least it's not Harry. Mm. No Harry Knowles? Yeah. <clears throat> and I guess we should... We haven't talked about this on the show, I don't think, but the new X-Files 6 episode event premieres on January 24th and continues on January 25th. Are we interested in this or not, Scott? After this, we'll close out the show. I'm I'm interested in it. I love X Files. I haven't seen the last movie though. Is it necessary? Do we need to see that? No, I don't. I doubt it's necessary. I'll watch it one of these days. I just haven't. Oh, Chris Nolan's new movie, Miracle of Dunkirk. I don't even think I've seen it. So. Yeah, that was a big ass Allied uh, rescue operation, where these uh, World War Two, they um, had, I mean, hundreds of thousands of soldiers had to be rescued from Dunkirk, and what they did was, uh, people in yachts and personal like fishing boats and shit went across the channel and rescued those soldiers under fire. So, and if you remember the fella in the Titanic movie who was the officer that was being really adamant about the women and children. Um, the very officious sounding first off second officer that was Charles Lightoller in real life. And that guy not only survived Titanic and sank a submarine in world war one, but he also was in his fifties or sixties, took his personal yacht over and rescued like 120 guys during Dunkirk. So that guy lived a very interesting life. It'd be interesting if, he was a part of that. But anyways, just a little bit of history involving this new Christopher Nolan movie. Oh, I thought you were talking about X-Files. But I, I do know that. <laughs> Sorry. Christopher Nolan's making a movie about the Dunkirk evacuation. Uh, I do know that in the X-Files, Scully and Mulder are not together anymore. I can't remember if she has a kid in the new series or not. I'm not sure. But, you know, I did not like her and Mulder being together. I thought it was a cheap, easy way out. It was, but at least it took them years to do it. Instead of like, you know, one, one intense situation, now we're suddenly in love. At least they didn't go that route. Yeah. But, all right, well, it's close now. Yeah. So, that's it. See you next year, peoples. <laughs>